Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. Yeah, I've been out coaching a lot, which is good. Getting back into the rhythm here. It's always, you know, it's it's, it's not been as long as it was, I guess, the last year. But uh, you know, with the delays and so forth. But this year, you know, it's always the winter, so it's less less in person and less groups and stuff. But yeah, this last week's been busy, but good. You know, filling the cup, as they say, it's been very rejuvenating. Say, starting to remember what uh, not having free weekends looks like. Unfortunately, right. I always I said to you. I always used to be look, drive by garage sales. And I, I don't know why this is how I like, but I, I sort of got to the point where I was like, we never get to go to garage sales. We're always going places on weekends and we can't stop at these garage sales. But I don't really know why I want to stop at the garage sale. It just seems like something you would do if you were just having a you know lazy weekend at home. You'd walk around your neighborhood and go to garage sales. That foosball table looked pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. Or I was telling you about antique silver. I want oh, yeah yeah go, we go can't start. even have a side hustle <laughs> get rich quick schema and silver yeah no no get rich quick for us so yeah so we did that so yeah so really fun uh this one was at sort of my home trails uh so i was able to share that with the a couple groups uh which was cool uh yeah yeah really good to be there and they actually just have reopened so it's cool there's more trails and some of the i had some nostalgia you know looking at the old farm wagon that they used to take the camp kids to, to the pool on and yeah just Sort of nice. Yeah. I think actually it was kind of interesting because I feel like it did shift your view of youth camps a little bit to suddenly be at the same camp where you were as a kid, where you did mountain bike camps, where suddenly now you're coaching them. Um, I think it, it did shift your perspective a little bit to kind of remembering the importance of, I guess, fun for, for the kids. Not to say that you, you're never a fun guy or super fun at camps or anything. Um, but I think actually this gets back to when we had Kristen Bunkowski on talking about how to get your kids into riding. Uh, and a lot of what she talked about was making it fun. Like it's not necessarily all aerobic development. And I think you were definitely reminded of that this weekend. Mm-hmm. And that's, I've been trying to encourage clubs, you know, they're all doing great work and they show up every week and they, they, you know, spend all this time with the kids. So it's, it's, they're doing great work. And I think the more we can get kids, you know, you almost think about yourself as a environment uh, architect is sometimes where I've, what I've seen this described as is you're getting them to a, a fun trail system or a new trail system. Or, you know, if you're in a park, it's, I just sort of, I have this new jump, you know, portable jump. So I just sort of set it up and didn't say anything. And, you know, they invent their own games and scale it and, you know, move it around. And sometimes it gets a little scary how big the jumps get. Uh, But you try and preserve that. But even after our rides, I guess they were, you know, hiking up the hill and (laughs) coming, bombing down the hill. And yeah, they're just playing around. Uh, my, My heart was just... Uh, you know, I felt so good. There's three girls who were practicing hopping, you know, they're hopping on a spot and sort of challenging each other. So it's, they know what to do if you let them, right? And let them go. So definitely. Yeah. So I think to your point, none of that involved really adults at all and any sort of special drill or coaching. So maybe that's our, our thing for any adults who do any youth coaching out there. Uh, Maybe make it your mission to give everyone like 10 to 15 minutes at the end of practice just to be playing on bikes. Maybe that's a, a good more space. Yeah. In the gym world, they talk about, you know, if you come in and they're all laughing and playing and then, you know, you have to get down to business Blow the whistle, <laughs> and yeah. it's like, well, what were they there for? They were there to have fun. You know, they're playing around with, you know, if it's basketball or something like that. Yeah. And so you have to be careful that, you know, how do you preserve that, the laughing and stuff? 
Well, and maybe as adults, it's also a reminder that you can also do that in the field and be challenging your friends to do some hopping and stuff. And mm-hmm. maybe that's uh, well, maybe that's your next group ride. Yeah, and voices and, and stuff, right? Like it's, or not voices, conversation, right? Whenever you can get, they're talking away and then we, <laughs> quiet, quiet, quiet. <laughs> no one, no talking, right? So it's, we have to be careful, you know, what we're actually trying to do uh, with this. So as you say, what was the goal of camp or, or the goal of even these like programs is, you know, is it to have fun and enjoy cycling or whatever the sport is? Uh, or is it, you know, to win world championships? Yeah, exactly. Right? There you go, it can be both, but. I don't know if we're all going to win world championships. I think we start with fun and yeah. then go from there. Anyway. Cool. Um, yeah. Let's less fun. Less fun less today. Fun. Less our fun. question for our, 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 our end of week episode uh, is around cramping. Yes. Which is always contentious. We've had like people almost want to fight us at, at different shop talks we've oh, done over yeah. the years. Yeah. That actually happened. Yeah. Someone was passionate about magnesium. <laughs> So anyhow, or, or not about magnesium. I still I am really still am a little. It's unclear. one of those ones where you're awkwardly just like, uh, okay. Yes, <laughs> maybe no. So anyhow, sure. before we go too far down that rabbit hole, so the question is sort of around shorter races. You know, you're going as hard as you can. Maybe it's the first race of the season, or the first hot race of the season, or the first mountain bike, or the first hilly race of the season, and you're going as hard as you can. Usually on one of the last laps, the one of the last times at the hill, and you cramp. Sometimes you maybe fall over and grab your hamstring and scream, uh, or or it's like the sprint up the last hill and you cramp. So this is the scenario: is is you know I don't want this to happen. This isn't fun. Now it should be noted that almost never is it described as that in like someone asking this question. It's always like, "Huh, I cramped during a ride," and then when you ask for more context-specific questions, like. Start being like, okay, well, what was the ride? Well, it was a hard race. Okay, well, when was it? It was at the end of the race. Uh, so it's, I feel like everyone always wants to kind of make it sound like the cramping happened when they were like JRA, just riding around. But Isn't so long, just riding along. I always say along. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not important to the story, but. Uh, that's the Canadian. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Not important to the story. But yeah, I feel like most people kind of try to, to say the cramping happened just sort of out of nowhere or, or wasn't or, doing anything weird. Or we then... flip around the order um, where it's I cramped, you know, so then I, you know, whatever, lost the race or, or I cramped and then I didn't climb very well, I guess. Right. Versus I was climbing maximally on the last lap, you know, starting to fade and then like I cramped Mm -hmm. I don't know how to maybe that isn't a circular logic or not right but it's sort of like it would be like running out of gas right like yeah you know you ran out of gas and then the car stopped yeah I I don't know maybe maybe that's not a circle in in any case I think it's you know it's logical that 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 something's gonna break is somehow sometimes how we describe this right and I I just find that Often, people don't necessarily want to admit that the cramping happened when they were pushing beyond their limits. I actually, mm. I actually remember my my story. I was like excited to tell before we got on air. Is uh, I remember I was I was dating this guy, and we were. This is not Peter, <laughs> obviously. Uh, I was dating this guy, and we were out on this mountain bike thing, and he he had absolutely was just like, yeah, I'm a great mountain biker. I'm super good at mountain biking. Definitely really good at mountain biking. Do this all the time it was very quickly clear that he was not a mountain biker and he did not do this all the time. I mean, when I'm, when I'm the good one, it's, it's not great. Peter's just like shaking his head right now. Um, but I remember we were probably like an hour in and suddenly he just like shrieks 
and like stops abruptly and like literally just like falls over and it's just like quick you have to like rub my calf it's like cramped up and seized and it was like the most dramatic like bsy thing uh the the relationship did not survive much longer after that but uh it was just comical because then the rest of the like the rest of the day the rest of the ride the drive home is just like oh that came out of nowhere i can't like so weird like so just could not inexplicable and i was like no it's because you went way too hard trying to pretend that you were like a super good mountain biker yeah um yeah so that's my cramping story (laughs) and so that's that's about it the idea so we usually see this more early in the season again first mountain bike race and and the immediate thing and and you know molly's right now what are our key points for this podcast we have sort of our show notes here we're working on and sort of try and stay on track with and so you wrote you know hydration uh what's the other thing electrolytes and so this is where our brain goes because it's not us it's it's something about the water we're drinking or the gel we took or something that's made And, and it's possible but a lot of these races are pretty short um, so it, it is possible if you're riding along submaximally during something like a Leadville 100 and you've been riding for 10 hours and you know, the first you're going up a climb or something, it, it is possible. And that's where people start talking about pickle juice and cayenne and, you know, high sodium, this or low sodium, or who knows more water, less water. So, so there's that. And then that's a whole rabbit hole. And I think it's probably good to try that and have some, some tools there. Like the pickle juice is fantastic just to drink. It tastes great. It's got lots of sodium. Like it is what you crave in those longer races. But I think that's a different thing than this, you know, really amped up going up the climb, uh, off road usually and, and having this happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought we'd focus because the context for this is more in this like short race, mountain bike race, early race in the season, and it's late in the race. So you've fatigued yourself, you're climbing, and then you... So the question then is, what do you do about it, I guess? Right? Is that where we want to go now? I think that's a very good, uh, very important thing. Uh, So first of all, I guess, yeah, in the moment, like in that exact time of cramping, what would you do? I would just back off a little bit and nurse myself up that last climb, I guess, right? And I think this is where the placebo effect sort of situation does come into play. And I mean, it's been shown in like study after study study that even if you know it's a placebo effect, it can still actually work as a placebo, which is hilarious. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like triple blinding the placebo situation. Yeah. But I think that's where taking that sip of water, taking, you know, taking the sip of electrolyte mix, whatever, uh, I think can sometimes sort of help you trick your brain into thinking that like your cramping is is resolving itself and that can actually make the cramping resolve because there's also been a lot of stuff done where it says like cramping is this very odd thing that we don't completely understand where there's a lot of it's it's like neuromuscular it's 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 not in your head but it's in your head Mm -hmm. so sometimes that sip of water and like backing off a little bit can be enough to to alleviate that just because your brain thinks the hydration is what's uh what's gonna solve it that's right and there's all these uh elements of you know we could say biopsychosocial you know people are watching you you're really amped up uh or or as they say you know aroused uh in the sports psychology literature Um, so again it's it's hard for most people to cramp in training so that's often what i ask them is you know 
again, was it late in the race? Have you been mountain biking very much? Have you been climbing very much? Usually people say yes, but they don't, they really haven't been, uh, because it's spring, right? They haven't really been mountain biking very much. They maybe live in a not hilly area. They drive to a mountain bike race and all of a sudden there's steeper hills. What do steeper hills mean? More muscle tension, um, lower cadences, different cadences. Maybe there's traction issues that they don't get on the road or the trainer, right? Where the wheels slipping. So there's sudden movements to those muscles. Uh, so you're, you're combining a lot of this neuromuscular, as you say, brain, the brain is aroused, you know, there's a lot of stress coming in and then high exertion. So the muscles are working a lot, you know, in different ways, they're contracting and relaxing and contracting and relaxing. And a cramp is when it doesn't really relax, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it just sort of stays balled up. Yeah. Oh, also, I will say like, I, I hadn't really run a lot of hills lately and I was running hills this weekend and like, holy crap. Like it is, you might not think of hills as being this like huge deal, but I was reminded very recently that hills are in fact a very big deal, especially I would say on the mountain bike and on the run. That's right. So the, uh, in our preamble, we were talking about with the kids and being environmental architects, but it's very similar as adults. You know, if you only stay at your home road or home trails or home trainer, uh, even worse, is then you ne- your body doesn't get exposed to these in other environments. So not without even talking about special intervals or anything like that, you just don't get exposed to a climb, a I'm descent. I'm just hearing someone be like, but I have the climbing block on my trainer. It's not the same thing. Right, right. Uh, especially versus off-road, right? It just can't be as variable. The traction demands are different. So how you pedal is different. Uh, so the body position is going to be different where you're sitting on the saddle is going to be different. So this is where we get into, you know, we can talk about bike fit or we can talk about electrolytes or talk about hydration. But if those things aren't met in training, like if you are racing a, you know, four lap mountain bike race, it takes about an hour to 90 minutes, say, or two hours, say one to two hours and you're not riding off road up hills, then it's just not the same. So that that would be the first defense is, okay, it's spring. I just need to get on my mountain bike more. And for most people, this takes care of the thing. They get a couple races under their belt. The races help with adapting, but you also want to be on the mountain bike, you, you know, say probably two or three times is a, you know, mm-hmm. is a good target for most people. Uh, yeah, without even talking, like if we think about just the environment, that, that should take care of most of the situation if it becomes a little bit more specific. Now, here's a question for you pushing through a cramp like what's what's your thought on yeah we didn't really finish the what you do in the moment um yeah because if it's not going away but like you can still technically like turn the pedal Mm -hmm. um i tend to be of the mindset that like sure you wouldn't want to continue for like hours like that but generally speaking like a cramp is not an indication that like you're doing muscle damage necessarily yeah i mean i don't think and I don't think your body would probably let you push to a point where it's, you know, again, you might have a muscle, t- you know, quote unquote tear or strain or, or be very sore the next day. If you really push yourself through, like if you're the person, you know, punching yourself in the face and punching your quads to keep going. And that's, again, these are the weird things we do, but then they sort of work for some people, right? Where they're, you know, I don't know if they're like the impact of, of punching themselves, you know, hitting their legs. If that's some, you know, it sort of resets, it's like another stimulus, sort of like when you rub, like you, you know, you hit your elbow on something and you like rub your funny bone or you rub your elbow, right? There's a little bit of stimulation to the nerve that way, right? So you could try that, like rubbing, massaging your leg. Uh, you'll see people just change how they're pedaling. Maybe you sit or stand or slide forward. Uh, I, I think some deep breathing, like yoga breathing, because again, we know there's that that brain component where if we can 
reduce the arousal using the sports psychology term we breathe and relax we lower the heart rate a bit we're not so stressed out then sometimes that does improve things and then i always tell the story of my friend raf gagne one of who's gone to the olympics he's top canadian mountain biker he cramped i remember he would tell me like all the time and he said i know i'm having a good day when I cramp because he, I love that. because he was so motivated and he could push himself to the point of where he could cramp. And I always told the story that I don't think I won very much because I wasn't willing to hurt that much. Right. I think I probably just subconsciously didn't push myself that hard. Uh, so he looked at it as a positive. And what he would say is he just would ride that like cramp threshold and he could feel it. And he got used to knowing on those good days, he would just be, and I've seen him, I've seen him. He's, he doesn't, I don't think he would punch himself, but he, he would be, you could see like he just hurting and hurting and grimacing. And, and I think it was just, he would ride as, and maybe we all can't ride that fast, but I bet you, if you think about it, like a heart rate threshold or a cramp, I bet you there's a lot of people that could feel that. And, and yeah, you might have to let someone go, but maybe you can pull them back on the next descent or the, you know, once you're on the flat, maybe it's okay. Or the next lap, maybe you feel better for whatever reason you get the gel in you or, or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen, I've seen this with Vanderpool crossing the line in Namur and like coming off his bike and just kind of falling over and like grabbing his legs and like same thing. Do you thing. think he was cramping? I think he wasn't, not every time he's done the dramatic like fainting couch off Right. Because I think that's just how he finishes that's races. That's just how he finishes races. <laughs> but no, I've definitely seen him do the actual like cramping, like clutching leg situation before. Yeah. Uh, so I do think that is, yeah, I mean, I think and reframing it like that can be super, super helpful. Because mm-hmm. um, again, it's cramping is partially a, a brain thing. So if your brain can say like, this is it's great. Okay. It's okay. It's not damaging because you were describing almost like you could see us. you were doing that description of doing damage. The muscle is like to getting torn and you can see how that's in your brain. And it's a very different thing versus thinking like, oh, this is just like my legs are getting tired and like I'm going to ride this threshold you know, I've won before, I can do well like this. It's that fear versus excitement thing, right? It's like the same thing before you public speak or at the race start, if you can say, you know, I'm not scared of this, I'm not nervous about it, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Uh, it can really, even though the chemicals in your brain are exactly the same, it can completely change how you feel about it and how you're, how you're reacting. So we're finishing this idea of in the moment, and then we'll get back to sort of preventative, but so... I- do you want to just drop in though? Again, we're talking about a short race. We're talking about an acute cramping situation, not like a hundred mile race where you're. Do you like, think it's any different? I do because I just want to note that like rhabdo is a concern for like in the running side of things. Um, <laughs> so if this is like a, this thing hasn't gone away for like hours and you're peeing, you know, brown. Uh, yes, there are there are like problematic uh, things here and you shouldn't just ignore what your body is telling you, but we're talking about like an acute cramp at the end of a short race. Okay. Fair enough. Sorry, yeah. PSA. Yeah. I mean, that's probably fair. Uh, there'd probably be other warning signs I would think before we get too deep into that, but uh, yeah. Just wanted to say like, as we're talking about like, you know, you're using your brain to tell yourself that everything's fine. Uh, just it's right. also okay to not be fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I would, if I had a gel, even if it was later in the race, uh, a, that's probably a sign you need to take the gels earlier if you had them with you and it's late in the race and you didn't take them, but I would probably just, even to get the taste of the carbohydrate into the mouth, uh, just throw that at it. As Molly said, you know, even if it was a bit of caffeine too, and just hope that that tell yourself that that's going to help, 
uh, you know, maybe your brain's thinking there's like a fuel shortage because you didn't have your gel earlier. Uh, so that might help. Even the taste of the carbohydrate we know can be performance enhancing, uh, perhaps cramp uh, reducing. Uh, so I, I would definitely, if I had that in my pocket, I would probably just try and as I'm taking that little bit of a break going up the climb, shifting my position, shifting my gearing to m- try and make it feel better, put a gel you know, in, in there uh, and see if that helps and hope that that helps. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the thing kind of to go with this and the when am I eating, all that kind of stuff. I think using the cramp as information. So after the race, we've talked about the post-race, like taking 10 minutes, just write up what what went on in the race, Mm -hmm. uh, making a note of what you ate, what you drank, how hard you went, how it felt, um, all that kind of stuff, any information you got during the race, when, when cramping happened, any of that, write it down. And that way, if it happens again, you can, you know, reflect back like, okay, what were the commonalities? What was I doing differently? Yeah. Uh, what can I try for next time? Cause I think so often we, we sort of see this kind of stuff as like an anomaly, but actually if we'd written everything down and had some of these notes, we could probably go back and be like, oh, actually this makes perfect sense because you know, X, Y, Z from these past races. Sure. And again, the fueling is a common one. Um, so that's, you know, we saw Beck McConnell just won her second world cup in a row. Uh, here in May 2022 Uh, and yeah she was taking gel coming through on the first line or first lap right 20 minutes in and it's not because she's depleted all her stores it's because she had to attack again on the fourth lap of five I think it was or fourth fifth lap of five I think it was fourth lap of six maybe it's not important towards the end of the race she was with someone and then she had to really put, she put in the fastest lap, I think of the day on the fourth lap or tied the fastest so that's the idea is when we're thinking about that early fueling it's for that climb you're cramping on because that's the critical moment in your race right if, if you're with someone or someone's catching you that's how every race goes there's always a critical moment it could be the start it could be a lot of different places but it's usually the hardest part on the course towards the end of the race there's a definitive moment where you either stay away or you close the gap or you you know get past or whatever and that's what we're fueling that's what we're training for I would actually love to know. I'd love to see like a survey of people who've cramped during races, how often it is that it happens right after someone passes you. Because mm. I bet you it's probably like a huge amount of people. Because I know, I mean, do you ever feel worse in a race than when someone passes no. you? No, and that's, I coach people to go around. The second you can go around someone and keep trying it, because it, a lot of people, it just ruins them. They, they, it's not that they get like, they're fading a bit. It's they get 20% worse on one climb. They blow, you know, there's a minute and they just give up. Yeah. It's like this weird mindset thing. Like instantly your brain is just like, oh no, you've been passed. You suck. You're terrible. You're right. not terrible. You don't suck. You're great. Well, you can't be 20% worse. Like it might be that the person's gapping you and you have to do your own pace. Maybe you are cramping a little bit and you have to like, you know, what is that called? Not, mit- I guess, mitigate the damage, but what's that like uh, damage control over the top, right? You hear that all the time, you know, in the Tour de France, they're coming off the back and it's damage control, damage control. And then they try and pull it back on the descent or the flat or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So it's not the, it's not the end of the world. We always try and get to the finish line. So can we get into training then? So we're, we're reflecting on our fueling, fueling better. You know, there's nothing magical you're really doing. I don't think as far as even hydration, like as long as you're not over hydrating, you know, just pounding water before the race if, you, if you're one of these people that's just nervous drinking before the race that again this is where it gets it's not that hydration and electrolytes are irrelevant it's just if, if you keep it pretty reasonable it's probably not the limiting factor for most people in these short races um again unless you do extremes um you, know, you just don't drink for the 
day, the whole morning, and then you go into the race and go as hard as you can, and it's really hot, then that that is possible that you're having a heat cramp. Uh, and on the flip side, if you've drank seven liters of water and go into the race and drink a ton of water, um, so that's you know something to reflect on and watch in training. And that is where if someone's having that, that's where the, the one of those rare cases where weighing pre and post your ride because you should be dehydrated, which might ca- catch people off guard. But the fastest people are usually dehydrated by two to four to five percent. Sometimes it's like a wild number. Even the small marathon runners, how much they're dehydrated by the end of the race. Right. Uh, so it's actually we want to be a little lighter after our, our not extremely there's obviously a point they used to always be two to four percent and you've lost your performance but that's you know even debatable now i think how much you can do without losing a lot of performance uh, but you certainly don't want to gain weight during the race water weight again this isn't we have to be able to be mature about weight with this so if, if you're someone who can't weigh themselves then don't weigh yourself it's, there's other ways to figure out just rules of thumb with hydration also someone out there who's really good with tech could someone please make a smart scale that would not just send your coach where they can be like okay you need to drink less on this or like would just tell you the difference right like plus or minus like if you step on before or after it but never gives you the base weight i feel like there's so much use for that could be yeah and maybe that's where this like the tech that could say like this is a pre-ride thing and i want your advice after uh on on whether i hydrated too much or just the right amount yeah so smart scale makers out there please do this for me. So there you go. So that's, you know, being smart. So training wise, again, we'd get to race like terrain. So I like to see my mountain bikers getting to mountain bike trails, you know, two or three times a week. You know, there's differences week to week. Some weeks could be four, but that's, you know, and it's because mountain biking is hard. It's essentially intervals for most people. That's hard for a lot of my mountain bikers. You know, they don't like to ride the road or gravel or flat rail trail or something like that, but that's the idea. Um, So riding it, and then that lets us go harder when we're riding because we don't ride it all the time. So we go hard on those critical moments for us. Could be a flat, but in this scenario, we're talking about hills, you know, maybe steep hills, whatever the hill looks like that you're having trouble with. Uh, and then an interval. So it's not just always, again, I think the, the terrain probably takes care of a lot of it for most people and getting into the year and racing a bit. Once we get into riding, I would say your intervals need to be intervals. And this is where we get into like, yes, you probably need to repeat a hill a, a number of times so that you get to a point of fatigue and you feel on the last rep that it's hard and you get better at this over weeks and months. Uh, so that's, I, I think important and what the interval is, it probably doesn't even really matter that much. Now there's a subset of person who is pretty aggressive and pretty amped up already who cramps a lot. And that's most people who cramp are pretty amped up. That's generally, you know, they're ex hockey players. Uh, it's not usually your endurance people who cramp in these races. Uh, you know, the people who do a lot of volume, a lot of endurance, it's usually the people who are more muscular, like more amped up, who who cramp. Um, right. You know, they're aggressive. They're good at sprinting. This is very much stereotypical. It's not that that's the case for everyone. But they're the people that know how to drive themselves hard enough to cramp, I think, if we think about this. So for those folks, endurance is important. So they'll hear me saying hill intervals, and they'll go out and they'll do just vomit hill intervals to try and prevent cramping. And for those folks, it may actually just be they need to go do some endurance riding. So the weather's good now, hopefully for you. It might actually not be more, you know, assuming you're riding off road a little bit, it probably is that you actually need to do a, you know, a three hour road ride once a week. Uh, and that's just your medicine. You're going to have to build on that uh, so that your body can recover more. And it's used to contract, relax, contract, relax for hours and hours and hours 
in principle, this should be helpful. Um, you know, the aerobic system is what lets us recover between efforts. If we're super anaerobic, we're not as good at recovering between efforts. So that would be the, the only caution with recommending more specific hill intervals is that sometimes that aerobic system can be pretty helpful at preventing cramps. Mm-hmm. So shocker, it's all about efficient, effective training that, uh, doesn't just prioritize only endurance and doesn't just prioritize all intervals all the time. Is it efficient or is it effective? I don't know. Maybe it's both. both. Maybe it's both. Well, I mean, it can and it can't be. I'm just uh, saying smart training. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a bit of variety in there for sure. Right. Because if, if it's efficient, this is, we probably don't even want to talk. We're going to do a post on efficient and effective and the difference. But if we only rode the trainer because that was the most efficient solution, the problem is that it might not be effective at, at racing a mountain bike really well or preventing cramps, right? If it's efficient at one thing, you have to be pretty sure that you, that's the thing. So if you were racing Zwift on your trainer, that could be a very efficient solution for training for Zwift. But that's where it gets tricky is, was it an effective solution for racing a mountain bike uphill in the heat with people in the summer, loose traction, you know, all these things. Probably not. (laughs) Maybe not. I mean, it depends, you know, your, your mileage may vary, but Uh, That's the thing. So the efficient solution or the effective solution, I guess the effective solution might actually involve driving to trails, which is not a time efficient thing. But is efficient in terms of like time spent training. (laughs) It's it's effective. (laughs) It's a very weird thing. But well, I mean, if if all the Zwift training in the world isn't going to be efficient, like if if you train 20 hours and that like it's it's just not efficient. It's a okay. It's a weird thing. We're gonna do a post. On it. It's fine. Um, I think I think that's the point, right? We want to make sure that it's addressing the the limiter for you. Um, and so, if that cramping moment, that critical moment, was the limiter, then we have to think about how can we change this, right? And again, try either of these solutions. Add a bit more volume, low intensity. Again, our under seventy five percent are our zone one two. Uh, and if you're if you're like, yeah, I'm an ex hockey player and I'm pretty amped up on race day. I love the starts. I love to just like you know, attack people, uh, then that you're probably not the person that needs more vomit hill intervals. But if you're the aerobic, you know, monster and you love hours, then it's, you know, it, this is the thing, the medicine that we need is <laughs> the one we don't gravitate to or, or what, what's the same with that? Uh, I don't know, but it's back to what we said with the modifying your workouts uh, episode a couple weeks ago, where it's the thing that you The thing you gravitate towards is probably not the thing that's really going to help you the most. The thing that seems the least attractive is probably the thing that you actually need to be doing. Yeah, it used to be a question, you know, I'd ask people, I still do sometimes on the intake form or when I'm uh, doing sort of like the client intake call, I guess. Uh, is just, you know, what do you do? Like, tell me about your training, right? And you can get a sense of, I do suffer intervals. You know, I do a, a time trial to warm up. I do suffer intervals. And then I finish with, you know, vomit intervals. <laughs> and that's one workout. Okay. Okay. That's the cool down. <laughs> Interesting. Um, whereas the other person might be, you know, I ride a ton of hours. I really like long rides i like to go on adventures or something like that right and just, you can see what type of person and, and again the medicine for those people is probably the thing they don't like as much it's true yeah which is a delicate balance yeah. but give me one day a week <laughs> yep yep i'm i'm in the latter category for sure but mm-hmm. i have been doing my intervals i hate them very much but they happen how do you convince yourself to do them i just don't give myself an option right you just follow the plan yeah ftfp yep we actually have a post uh, that we just went up uh, just went up this week where I was actually talking about uh, eat, like what I choose for breakfast, and I actually 
it's part of my morning routine post that I just did. Uh, we'll put the link to that in the show notes. But my my big thing is just don't redecide. Like there's no redeciding. Mm-hmm. If I have an interval workout, there's no redeciding. Right. It, it's the thing you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that that is where having a plan uh, very helpful is, is helpful. Yeah, you don't get to debate it as much. And I think that's a lot of people would list that as sort of the main reason. In some cases, they get coaching. Mm-hmm. It's just outsource that decision making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, any any final thoughts on cramping here? I think we pretty much hit all of our things. Uh, the only last thing I had was just if this is a chronic thing, if it is something that is happening every single race and you've tried everything that we've just mentioned and nothing is working, uh, I do think it is worth just checking in with a doctor, maybe getting a blood panel done. There is a chance that you're super low on a certain electrolyte or something like that that's sure. that's causing it. Um, you know, so it's, it's always worth looking into if this is just becoming an issue that's making it difficult to do any kind of riding. Sure. Yeah, I, there's certainly it shouldn't be like it sh- if it if it's at the end of a race, you know, that's something that, you know, either you're training, we can adjust that. But certainly if it's cramping happening more frequently or or just you, again, as Molly says, you've tried everything, it's not making sense. You know, all this stuff, you've, you're checking it off, you've tried it. Uh, then yeah and you haven't had blood tests done or gone to the doctors in a while that's you know probably a red flag for all of us to go and do that if we haven't been you know within the year mm-hmm. and i think we actually still have a link to inside tracker i think it's inside tracker backslash consummate so you can probably check that out uh, so that like was it not sponsored but sponsored not sponsored yeah. but sponsored <laughs> okay um, there you if go you wanna, if you want to check that out and, and i think it's still get 25 percent off so worth worth a shot if you haven't had blood work done lately um yeah. All right. Well, that's that is our show for this week. Keep um, the questions coming. We got a lot on this last one, so we'll have to we'll try and get these done in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones we had, um, I may have to do like a, a rapid fire one to try and catch up here. But please keep that's it's so fun to see these, and I try and uh, answer in the comments too, just so that you get a little bit of an answer to get you know testing on stuff. Uh, so yeah, we we love to hear it. So that's Instagram. We're at Consummate Athlete. Yep, and consummateathlete.com. We have a contact page. You can also check out the show notes for this episode. Um, yeah, uh, and of course, wherever you listen to podcasts, if you leave us a rating or review, that is super, super helpful. It's how we got a dachshund. It's how I'm going to get a second dachshund. I'm kidding, DW. We're not really going to get a second dachshund. I apologize. Uh, all right, thank you guys for tuning in. Have an awesome weekend, and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.